Limerick Today with Joe Nash on Live 95. I'm going to try to squeeze in now for a few minutes because we think it's very important. Uh, Dr. Rose Fitzgerald, who, of course, is an expert in public health uh, here uh, in the Midwest region. Good morning to you, Rose. Um, So uh, there's quite a bit of concern coming in from listeners this morning about this change in testing. There, a lot of them on the list to be tested are now being told they'll have to call their GPs back. Why? Because uh, at the moment there's 8,000 in the Midwest uh, on uh, a waiting list for appointments for testing and it's going to take longer than the 14 days if they were to isolate and um, while they're sick to get through that list. So there's a prioritisation has come in today. Um, So the priority group um, so first of all, people have to be symptomatic with uh, respiratory illness, fever, and also have cough or shortness of breath, um, and then be in the priority group. So the priority groups are those who are contacts of a confirmed case, um, healthcare workers, uh, those in risk groups are their household contacts, and the risk groups are those with diabetes, those who are immunosuppressed, people with chronic lung disease, chronic heart disease, cerebrovascular disease, chronic renal disease, chronic liver disease and smokers. Also, people who are either working or resident in long-term care facilities, such as our nursing homes, prison staff and inmates, because self-isolation can be difficult in those situations, and also pregnant women. Right. So it's important to point out then that there are people who are waiting for a test at the moment who will ring their GP back and they will be told, actually, we're not testing you now, uh, but you will still need, depending on your symptoms, to self-isolate for 14 days anyway. Yes. So if people are not going to be tested, they do need to self-isolate for 14 days if they have symptoms which are consistent with coronavirus infection. And that means that the people around them need to what's called self-quarantine, which is reduce their movements even further um, if they're in a house with someone self-isolating, even if that person is now told they won't be tested. And I suppose it's very important to point out here, Rose Fitzgerald, the testing is not specifically for the individual. It's more a public health measure, isn't it? It's more about tracing and trying to cut down the spread of the disease. Absolutely. So I suppose we've got measures put in place, uh, particularly by the government at this stage, because I suppose we needed to ramp up the controls because um, um, the numbers of cases were increasing. So it's essentially to prevent spread. Um, So that is the social distancing, people working from home and, um, you know, hand washing, the most important thing of all. Everybody has to wash their hands. Um, So we do need uh, to get people um, tested, but there are priority groups so that we can manage the health service, provision of services, um, particularly to those who will require hospitalisation.
Right. We're chatting to Dr. Rose Fitzgerald, uh, who is a public health specialist here uh, in the Midwest. And uh, we were a little bit late getting Rose. uh, So I am going to run uh, a bit over the 10 o'clock news. uh, But I think people will appreciate because uh, what Rose is talking to us about is very important. Now, there's a lot of people on social media drawing graphs, Rose. You may have seen some of it yourself. And they're talking about this curve and they are suggesting that we are where Italy was two weeks ago and that we are heading towards an Italian-type scenario. Can you explain to me why the measures here are different to Italy and and why the hope is uh, that that won't happen? So we put control measures in place for the whole country at an earlier stage than they did in Italy. So the cases that we are seeing today were infected a week ago, possibly even longer. Um, So the measures we're putting in place today will have an effect in a week, two weeks from now. So we have ramped up our measures before our cases have started to increase. Whereas I think in Italy, they didn't uh, increase their measures until they had an awful lot of cases. The other aspect of it, presumably, is that our system and the contact tracing, the testing of as many people as possible in the community is closer to the model used in South Korea, which has proved quite successful compared to some other models. My understanding is that that level of testing has not been done in Italy or in some other European countries. Yes, um, we are. We have tested a lot of people, so we are getting a picture of what... Um, what the infection rate is in the community. And just to be aware that only 6% of those that have been tested are uh, confirmed COVID cases. So, uh, And then when we find uh, a positive case, we do, as you say, the contact tracing. So find out who the person has been in contact with um, in, uh, since they became symptomatic. And has been said in the media that we are finding this week that the number of people that are close contacts is much lower than it had been before we introduced um, the measures as such as closing the schools, people working from home, um, social okay. distancing, etc. So somebody who might have doctor in their title and drawing curves and graphs on social media, they may not be a doctor in this area of specialty. And indeed, they might be a doctor of something completely outside medicine. And it's understandable why people might assume that they are experts in the area, but not necessarily. And they're not comparing like with like necessarily between the Italian situation and the Irish situation, because a lot of that is going on on social media and it is frightening people. Okay, well, I think that people have to take their information from reputable sources. Um, If we didn't have control, um, we would expect a 30 percent increase in the number of cases day on day. And we're not seeing that. Um, what are we seeing? Well, we're seeing, we were seeing around about uh, 25%. And the number, now, um, the cases are going to vary day to day. But yesterday, uh, the cases, the, the increase to us, uh, if our control measures are effective or not. Um, one other absolutely key point here is 
that people shouldn't mix up where the front line of this is. Um, the people that you know working in hospitals and other healthcare workers and GPs, and all that, they're at the sharp end, particularly the people in the ICU, like Catherine Motherway, that we've heard from. But the front line here is us, isn't it? It's, it's me and everyone listening to the show this morning. Absolutely. We all have to play our part. We all have to stay at home, um, except there are particular people who do have to go to work. And even if you are considered an essential worker, if you're sick, you have to stay at home. And I suppose that's something we haven't been good at. We've gone to work when we've had coughs and colds and symptoms. So anybody who has symptoms, no matter what they work at, if they're a consultant and anaesthetist, if they work in a radio, if they if they are um, putting goods on shelves, no matter what you do, you do, if you have respiratory symptoms and temperature, you have to stay at home. That's number okay, one. So, so, and, ju- and just to clarify that, that would be um, a, a temperature and a cough or shortness of breath. Absolutely. But we should all stay at home if we have... Always people should stay at home if they have a cough or a cold anyway because there's a risk of transmitting infections. That's how flus and and colds are transmitted. It's where people who are sick continue to circulate and pass it on to somebody else. So that's number one. Then we've got the social distancing. So when we're out, we need to observe the social distancing. And then we've got to wash our hands um, regularly and particularly um, when we've been outside um, before we prepare food, obviously after you go to the toilet, so we all have to do these things and that's how we will uh, reduce and the impact of the COVID infection. Rose, can you help us on masks and gloves? A lot of people are asking questions about whether they should be wearing masks and gloves. Okay, so masks are useful, obviously, um, in the healthcare setting. So if somebody, so if a healthcare worker is looking after somebody who is a COVID case, they obviously have to wear personal protective uh, equipment, including masks. If a patient, if a person is sick uh, with respiratory symptoms, then it would be generally recommended that the person themselves would wear a mask, uh, and that's to prevent infecting others. Uh, there is no recommendation regarding people who are not sick or people who are not um, looking after people who are sick to wear masks. Gloves, uh, I mean, gloves sometimes can cause more problems in that people who wear gloves don't wash their hands. They think that, uh, so what's most important really is that you wash your hands. Um, if, you, if, for example, you wear gloves and you touch your face, um, it's the same as touching your face with unwashed hands. So it really is far more important um, that people wash their okay. hands. Um, Dr. Rose Fitzgerald, last question, I think it's important to finish on a positive note here. Um, Everyone listening this morning have had their lives um, turned upside down very, very quickly indeed. Um, What they knew as the norm is gone and will be gone for some time to come. Can you reassure them that every small decision they make not to take the unnecessary journey every time they physically distance, every time they wash their hands thoroughly with soap and water, um, every time they choose to 
stay indoors when they would prefer to be outside. That every little decision that everyone listening makes is now life-saving. Absolutely. Um, We all have a part to play and we all need to do what we've been asked to do. Stay indoors, uh, distance ourselves from other people and that's the way we will uh, prevent spread of the infection and it's particularly how we will uh, prevent the spread of infection to the elderly people who are most at risk of complications of the infection. Okay. Well, listen, thank you very much for talking to us. A very busy time for you, but it's important, I think, to get some of those messages out, particularly around the changed approach. And uh, if you are waiting for testing, you will need to get back to your GP, but bear with them. They're dealing with new calls all the time, and now they will be dealing with these um, new um, contacts that have to be made a second time, if you see what I mean. Dr. Rose Fitzgerald, Public Health uh, Specialist here in the Midwest. Limerick Today with Joe Nash on Live 95. 